Welcome to the Two Cent Dad podcast, where we interview dads to discuss their journeys of intentional fatherhood while doing work they care about and living a life of purpose. I'm your host, Mike Sudik. It's a, I mean, one of my boys, but the other one was, I mean, he was out quick. Yeah. He doesn't, but he's been like that since he was a baby. He just doesn't pee a lot. <laughs> I got one kid. All right. Maybe we should save this for the talk, but I got one, I got one boy who's really physical and, um, never wanted crackers or junk food. He always was drawn to sharing salads and, and grilled chicken with his mommy. Okay. I'm talking about very young. And I had the other kid who all he wanted, all, all he wants is club crack. <laughs> the kid, the kid that eats healthy chooses water over milk. Uh, you know, and the, the, the one who doesn't eat healthy wants chocolate milk. And the one who is healthy, he does get milk. It's white milk. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's just naturally drawn to things that are better for you. Yeah. And he, he pees like a racehorse. So maybe, his kidneys are flushed, man. Like there's just nothing in there. He's just in health. <laughs> that's crazy. So, so uh, maybe that's an indicator, huh? So JD, you, you ha- are a father of three, correct? Right. Yes. Um, but you're a father to a ton of different companies for, you know, for an analogy there, but t- tell me a little bit about yourself. Maybe give the, the little, you know, two minute background. Cause I was listening to a podcast that you did interview, um, uh, recently, and you kind of told okay. the story about how you acquired all these companies, and partly I think this will be um, you know food for our discussion, which is how do you balance all that? Yet I think it's called simple focus. So maybe you could start with that um, you know paradox. <laughs> sure. Well, I, it, it's not really a paradox, um, but I could I could see the irony there uh, at, at first blush. <laughs> Um, I started Simple Focus in 2009. The reason I started the company was because I had uh, really been moonlighting as a designer since college, really, um, which, you know, I enrolled in college in 2000. Um, but it got to a point where even though I had a, really good paying day job. Um, I was still making more money, um, moonlighting than I was at my day job. And it just made financial sense to sort of spend my time as, 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 as difficult of a decision as it was to leave a job that I really liked and people that I enjoyed working with. It just made more sense for me. And I had always sort of wanted to be a business owner and had in the back of my head or buried deep within my heart this idea that I wanted to, um, you know, create jobs and then run a small business. So I did it in 2009 and, um, was, was pretty successful, very fortunately to, uh, to have a a business that made good money and um, was secure and, uh, basically ran, you know, uh, what we call today, uh, you know, a product design firm, um, 
we did websites, uh, and but our, our specialty has always been in application and software design. Um, so uh, built a good little business around that and built it up to the point where um, when the opportunity to buy an app, a SaaS business, uh, presented itself, was able to do that. Um, it was a very successful little venture. Um, took a lot of courage and nerve to build up to it, but I started doing that over and over again. And now what I'm doing is operating Simple Focus as a you know a user experience firm, and um, also operating a portfolio of SaaS businesses. And I also have uh, ownership interests in uh, a bunch of other businesses as well, uh, a restaurant, uh, a, another agency. And so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the year that I started Simple Focus, that was two thousand and nine. That was before I had any kids, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but here it is, two thousand and nineteen. It's been ten years later, and um, I've got a company or an umbrella, so to speak, uh, you know, that people think of it as at least as called Simple Focus. And yet I've got you know eleven different companies under <laughs> Simple Focus. Um. But, you know, the thing about being a client firm is that you're used to working with different customers and uh, different brands. That's sort of how you're set up operationally. And so it makes a lot of sense, actually, for Simple Focus, uh, operationally at least, that we would be able to operate multiple different business units mm-hmm. or multiple different companies because, you know, you could treat each of the brands as a client. And that's kind of how we do it. Yeah. So in that regard really haven't ventured too far from our core business. We're just our own customer, which is uh, not uncommon in the real business world, you know, but in our little um, internet world that's just getting started uh, or software world or agency world, it's seen as interesting or different or unique, but it's really not. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, you know, basic right across the plate business stuff. Yeah. So tell me about, you mentioned that, okay, 2009, you started Simple Focus, no kids. Um, now you have three. What are their ages? So I've got a daughter who's in kindergarten. She's six. And I've got two boys, twins, who are four and a half. Um, she was born in 2013, and they were born in on uh, uh, the, the uh, extended tax deadline of 2014, <laughs> October 15th. <laughs> And so having those kids while you're going through that journey of starting a business, then scaling it up, and then obviously then buying those other businesses. Tell me about that a little bit, um, you know, maybe assuming some of that risk, that debt or what, you know, maybe, you know, tell me about the journey a little bit. Some of the, some of the thoughts and concerns as you have a young family and are you more risk adverse well, or... Sure. Um, I'm probably a little bit more courageous now that I've got some experience. I, I had somebody ask me a while back, if you could go back and do it all over again, would you start your own company? And I said, yes, absolutely. 100% if I could do it 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Cause it was hard, you know, and it's, 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 it's still hard, but at least it's going now. Um, before I, before I started, Simple Focus, before 2009, um, I had somebody who's very entrepreneurial give me some advice. Uh, and he said, you know, you don't have 
a family, you don't have kids. Like, man, now's the time. If you're going to start your company, do it now when you can take some risk. And that was the nudge that I needed. It really was. Um, and, and it worked for me. But I think it's a little bit more complicated than that because that's not where I've landed today. Mm-hmm. Um, you're either born with a bug to be an entrepreneur or you're not. And I don't care when you realize you have the bug, if you've got kids or not. Yeah. You need to be your best self. You need to be the father that your kids need you to be. And, you know, if they need to see you take chances, um, just like on a sports field where the reason you get into competitive sports is to learn how to win and to learn how to lose, they need to see their father being willing to compete or take chances and um, see him win and see him lose. Um, and that, that, that way you can be a good example. So if it didn't work out, they need to see what it's like when somebody handles something that doesn't work out. So they got a good example for that. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't buy the argument that, got, that, that, that impacted me so much before, mm-hmm. you know, I don't buy it even though it did work for me at the time because I didn't have kids. But I tell you, if anybody's out there listening who doesn't have kids yet, or who has kids and, and, and sort of feels that calling to, to take a chance and do it, you know, um, no reason not to, uh, you know, there's sure risk, but like, whatever, if you fail, you fail and just figure it out. Well, I mean, and the other risk is you have regret later, right? You know, you live with this kind of regret or resentment, um, towards not having done it or feeling held back right. by a certain number of ex, you know, uh, conditions or whatever you'd say. What? Sure, you know, but zoom out and make it about more than just you, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'll use my own father as an example, and um, and I don't know if he's ever going to hear this podcast or not. He creeps on me on Facebook, so he might. <laughs> well, you know, my dad's always got these great ideas that are really entrepreneurial, and he's kind of got a little bit of a niche, but at the same time, like, he and I are cut from a different cloth, and so there's a tension around this. Like, I hear him talk sometimes, and 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 kind of sort of say, "Well, what if you know he had, you know, pursued this idea he had or whatever?" Now he's sort of later on in his career, and he's thinking about when he's going to retire and how he's going to, you know, have a steady income post retirement. And he's talking about things like maybe I ought to buy, you know, a car wash. And I'm like, do it, Dad. You know, like, you, you know, and he he does all these projects around the house. He's all he always has, and he he built this fence that's like, God, it's incredibly structurally sound fence. You know, it's it's like a grade five level, super duper. <laughs> it's like 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 professionals don't build fences this stout because you know, professional grade's not good enough for David Graham. Yeah. You know, Dad you should maybe, you know, start a fence contracting company, like stuff like that, you know? And he's like, I don't want to build fences for other people, you know? Like, <laughs> so, but, you know, there's also something about him where, you know, he looks at what I've done and he's like, ah, you know, what if, you know? And I don't think he regrets any of the choices he's made, but there's a little bit of a wistfulness to it, you know? And But if you're the kind of person, you know, and I guess talking to dads, moms too, but if you're the kind of person who's like, I really got to do this or I'm not going to feel like I, I you know, I, I, I did everything I could. You know, it's not just about how you feel 
uh, although that's a big part of it, it's it's also about you know setting the example for your children so that they can see you, you know, chasing after your dreams as cheesy as it sounds, you know. And so yeah. like, you know, it, in a way, I, I sort of am a little bit more uh, assertive with my entrepreneurial spirit because you know I you know I'm doing it for my dad too, you know, mm-hmm. you know yeah you know I want him to be proud, but also um, you know he sees himself in me, and so you know. Let's let him see the best version of himself. Yeah. And I want my kids to feel the same way that, that, you know, their dad went after it. He did everything he could. And, you know, there's plenty of successes that can, for me, I'm fortunate enough to say that so far they've outweighed the failures. But there's been plenty of failures, and I want to be a good example with the failures, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the that when you talk about regret and not doing something or doing something and then feeling fulfilled in it um, – makes you a better dad, makes you a better husband. You know, I think that going through that whole process is like, if you're not doing what you should be doing, or you're just feeling like all these what ifs and and all of that, then you're not, you're not operating at at the efficiency you should be or the the state you should be. And that's going to cascade into a bunch of different things. You know, that's going to, I believe that that's going to cause other issues in how you interact with your kids or, or with your wife. And I think that's another, you know, cascading effect of of that you know uh, i haven't really talked about this much because it's 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 kind of sensitive and it impacts people who aren't me but I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit here because i think it's important um about a year ago uh, we had to let some people go to save on some costs to keep the business going and, and healthy and you know shore things up and it was who man it was tough um, if and when my kids ever learn about it, you know, I want them to know about some of the conversations that I had with some of the key people and, and how it all went down because, you know, we had to, as a group, figure out how to do that in a way that we could sleep at night and go home and feel okay with how we did what we had to do. Right. Um, because you're not going to get to win every soccer game. You're not going to get to um, necessarily make more money every year than you did the, the year before. And you're going to have to make tough decisions. I mean, I had to lay off my mother in law. That was tough. And that affected the family. Right. Mm-hmm. And when the kids learn about this one day, oh, wait, Mimi used to work for daddy. Um, well, what, what happened, you know, and if we tell the truth is, well, business was tough and daddy couldn't afford to keep Mimi in a job, you know, and, um, it was tough on her, but, you know, then being able to tell the whole story about, well, how did you, how did you do that? You know, in a way that like didn't tear the family apart, you know, how did you handle the other employees who weren't family? So I got motion detectors on there. Um, you know, those are going to be important stories for them to have, uh, for reference points when they get to the point in their careers or their lives when they're making tough decisions. Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's important to, to show your kids that, you know, you don't always have to, you know, be successful to be good and happy and fulfilled. 
The other thing is because I was so careful about doing things the right way that, that fit with, you know, um, uh, who I was fundamentally, you know, during that tough time, I was actually able to go home at the end of the day and be present during that hard, hard time. Now there were days when it was tougher than others and I wasn't perfect, but nine out of 10 days, uh, 19 out of 20 days, you know, I was able to go home and leave work at work, even though there was financial pressure, even though there were tough decisions being made, even though I may, you know, may have um, done something that day that just felt, you know, horrible. Uh, you know, I was able to go home and know that, like, I did it and handled myself in such a way that, like, I can hold my chin high and everybody is as taken care of as they can be, you know. And, um, read a story to the kids, you know, and I tell you what, when you're dealing with some, you know, some shit at work and you're reading a storybook to your kids <laughs> and, and those storybooks, all of a sudden you're like, man, these are some grown up themes. <laughs> it kind of hits home, <laughs> you know, cause these books, I mean, they, they're, they're teaching kids good things a lot of the times. And like, boy, it's just as important for us to take lessons from these children's books as it's for them to hear them, you know, oh, the places you'll go and ah, there's this one, I'll send it to you for the, the, the show notes, but there's this one about a wizard and a kid that gets into trouble for being creative, you know, but he's going to learn his lesson. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was a recent experience where, um, you know, work kind of was tough, but you still got to go home and be a dad. Yeah. So you said you, you know, being able to turn that off or be engaged when you're at home, you kind of related that to being in the element that you're supposed to be in or the role you're supposed to be in. Uh, those are kind of, you know, we discussed both those. Um, talk about maybe, maybe times where you, where you haven't uh, been as good about that or, or pe examples of people in your life that you've seen that have not done a good job balancing that either. Um, you know, heavily, you know, not being able to turn it off or, or maybe they're not doing what they should be doing and they're, they're, they're working themselves to the bone, you know, what are, I guess, what do you think are the pitfalls, um, either personally you've experienced or, or other people that cause them to, to go off that, you know, that wrong direction and kind of what, what advice could you give around that? Does okay. That make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you're kind of talking about something that I speak with my therapist about. I go see a therapist every Friday. Um, uh, it helps it helps me deal with a little bit of uh, anxiety that I have to manage and um, a little bit of depression that creeps up every so often, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's important, first of all, to, to say for anybody listening that, it, you know, having somebody to talk to on the regular, if, if you're fortunate to be able to afford to do that or uh, find a way creatively there are there are groups and people that can help you get the help you need that's important but um I'll, I'll, t I'll say this that um i don't need to look at other people for examples of bad behavior i can i can look right in the mirror you know um i'll lose my cool and um i'll grab my kid by the arm a little harder than i wanted to and i'll feel horrible about it um i'll, I'll raise my voice and 
you know, I've had my kids say, you know, when you yelled at me, you scared me, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I, I'm not perfect and I do bring it home and it's not about them at all. Right. You know? um, um, but when, um, and this isn't to make excuses for that behavior because um, I've got to work on me for that. But the, 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 the thing that gives me hope for all of us really um, is is um, something that my therapist shared with me. You know, she said, well, what about when your parents did stuff like that? You know, um, did that, you know, you know, how does that feel? Because, you, know? um, you know, I talked to my dad recently. And I said, you know, hey, what sort of stuff did you ever do that you, you know, like, you know, I raised my voice with my kids last night and I needed to cool off. Do you ever do anything like that with us? You know, and he's like, yeah, I mean, you know. So, Talking with uh, my therapist, what she says is um, is that you know kids are incredibly resilient. Um, you know you don't have to be perfect for them. What you have to be is 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 consistent and show them love, and 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 let them know that um, that that uh, that you've processed and. Um, you know, frankly, what she says is some of these moments will stand out more to you as the parent than they will to the child because the child overwhelmingly feels safe, secure, and loved. And mistakes are mistakes, and, and children can kind of know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to come back around and, and not just sort of ignore it. So, like, if mommy and daddy get in an argument and the kids see it, it's important for the kids to sort of see mommy and daddy or have some sort of like uh, a conversation with mommy and daddy that, you know, Hey, we talked about it and daddy's sorry and mommy's sorry. And we worked it out because we love each other, you know? Um, and so, you know, we're not upset. We're not arguing anymore. And, and then if you don't do that, if you skip that step, um, you know, uh, then, then the kids don't really understand conflict resolution. But so, if you if you demonstrate conflict resolution for them, then then what they learn is that nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Daddy makes mistakes. But then daddy realizes he made a mistake and he comes back to you and he gives you a sincere and heartfelt apology. And he works on not making that same mistake again. And, you know, the other 99 percent of the time, it's it's very clear, <laughs> you know, that, that daddy loves you and makes you feel safe and secure, and protected. And and so not having to be perfect is, is I think a very important thing for you to understand about yourself as a parent. And, and I think it's really hard for us to talk about this because, you know, for example, I'm putting myself out there to an audience of people who are going to be like, this son of a bitch grabbed his kid too hard. This <laughs> son of a bitch yelled at his mommy in front of the kids, you know, and like, okay, yeah, you yeah. know, you, you you might do that too, or you might have done that too and not realized it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that 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 I am um, that everybody's like me, but what I am saying is when we do fail to be perfect, mm-hmm. it's it's really important to set an example to them of saying that you're sorry and showing what remorse and conflict resolution is, because they're going to be put in situations in their life when people are going to be actual assholes. Yeah. And they're going to have to know how to handle that. They're going to find themselves making mistakes, and they're going to have to 
have an example to refer to what do I do when I have screwed up? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's really important. So I don't really need to look at other people's mistakes to, to see that because I bring it home with me and I'm not perfect. And I think that the, what I said earlier, when I was going through that tough time, nine out of 10 nights or 19 out of 20 nights or so, I was there and present for the kids and, and I didn't bring it home with me, but sometimes you just can't help it. Yeah. You know, no, I think you make a really good point. I think everyone can relate to that. Um, I was just thinking, I feel like one of the things that, that my wife and I talk about sometimes is, is her parents modeled that a little more, that resolution, to whereas my, my household, they did my parents didn't as much. So if they mm-hmm. did get in a fight or they would maybe try to go in their bedroom or something to – to fight or something, or it would, it would not happen. So it wouldn't happen in front of us kids, but then you never see the resolution. And I think what you come away from that is what I perceive. And and some of the stuff I deal with is like, you don't know how to resolve conflict within your relationships, either with, you know, me with my wife or with the kids. And so you don't do that well. And I would say that's, that's kind of where I fail. And so I, you know, I don't know, you know, for people listening, it's like thinking about what was modeled for them to really highlight, okay, where could I be doing this? And I don't even realize it, you know? Um, I mean, that's one thing my wife is big on is if, if something does happen or we snap at the kids to, to really talk it through with them, say, Hey, I'm sorry I did that, you know? And then maybe even tell them about why, you know, say, Hey, I'm stressed out at work or something. And, and then they, they, they understand that it's not just a, an isolated incident, but yeah. Well, I think that it's important for them to understand it's not about them, you know, mm-hmm. And, and that's in that's I mean that's something that I'm in I'm 37 years old I'm still learning that it ain't about me right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know somebody snaps at me it probably isn't about me you know it's about them and what they're dealing with now there's that's not to take the you know responsibility off my own shoulders if I've done something wrong but it is to 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 not take it personally so that way you can sort of deal with it transactionally and make sure that everybody get everything gets smoothed over. Um, and that's not to take the heart out of it either, because, you know, you can't just deal with things transactionally, but you do have to, on some level, um, interpersonal relationships, you know, th- there is a transaction that has to occur. Um, but, you know, you got to do it with your heart, too. Yeah. Um, so you said you, you've been seeing a therapist. I think that's something that um, people don't do enough. You know, I've I've leveraged that before and, and, and met with one on, on occasion and it's, I think, a level of self-awareness that it takes to recognize that, you know, there's things that you need to work on in yourself. I, I wanted to ask you, though, if you were adverse to doing that, kind of what, did you get advice to do that? Did you reach a point where you're like, I think I should talk to somebody? Because I think it's very underutilized, especially in the entrepreneurial space, you know, someone that's a, that's leading companies that has a lot of pressure and feeling isolated, Um that they're not leveraging enough and then getting to a point where, you know, either they're, they're blowing up all the time at, at their wife and kids or, you know, at, 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 at the office. And, um, maybe you could speak to kind of how you ended up, you know, using that as a resource for you. And then sure. to someone that's like maybe not doing it and they think that, that they're above it, but yet they really have these issues. You know, how, how could you, what advice could you give to that person? Sure. To help them out? Well, I don't know what issues they do or don't have. Uh, but I will say this, um, you know, first of all, I, I've been going for six or seven years now consistently. It started every week. And then 
after a while, she told me that uh, she felt like uh, maybe it could go to every other week, and we would just kind of see. And um, so that's that's on the schedule. I travel a good bit, so I miss, and we don't reschedule. I just mm-hmm. go every other week when I'm in town, and um, end up probably going, you know, every probably miss the occasional. So sometimes I'll go a month in between seeing her, but. Um, interestingly to fast forward to, to the way it's working today, very often I'll find myself going to with her about something and then won't be seeing her for two weeks. And by the time the two weeks is up, I've sort of taken everything that I learned from her over the years and, you know, processed it mm-hmm. appropriately in a healthy way. Um, I will go back to the beginning though and, and talk about, um, I don't remember exactly what brought me in, but I do remember, I remember something that was really um, enlightening for me or illuminating. She asked me a question like, well, okay, how do you feel about that? Right. Which is the question that, you know, you were sort of like roll your eyes. Oh my God, let's talk about mom, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, and I said, well, uh, it's so, I don't know. I'm angry, you know? And she says, it doesn't sound like anger. And I said, I, I don't know. I'm upset. Well, I get that it's upsetting, but that's not a feeling. Well, how do you feel? And I was like, I, I don't, you know, I keep using words trying to describe how I feel about this particular thing. And then um, three, four, five words into it, and she throws her hands up and she says, let me get a chart. <laughs> now, your, your listeners need to understand I take great pride in my vocabulary. I was an English major, concentration in creative writing. Um, you know, I know words, right? <laughs> I know big words, multisyllabic words. I do very compound sentences. I use semicolons, right? I'm, I'm very proud of my language skills. But she gets this chart out with all these facial expressions, and there's like, I don't know, I'd probably look it up for the show notes, but there's a pretty standard chart for the, you know, the basic feelings that people have. And I'm not talking about the social media crap. I'm talking about like a clinical chart, uh, with, with cheesy smiley and frowny faces that show you about, I'm 18 or so, um, feelings, right? Anger is a feeling. Um, frustration is a feeling. Anxiety is a feeling. Um, so she actually helps me pinpoint what the feeling is that I have. And all of a sudden, like this realization comes flooding over me that I'm unable to articulate my feelings, which is like the most guy thing to say ever (laughs) about yourself, right? Like, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, like, I don't know, fine. <laughs> and, right, like, upset, frustrated, sad. And that's a big one, right? Anxious. And I think that may have been the feeling that I had. I was anxious. And I learned what anxious means and what anxiety is. And it took me years of seeing her to really get what anxiety is. So, 
a lot of people out there who see therapists will will, will know this. A lot of people will have a, a better start on understanding anxiety than I did. But what I would say to those out there is you may not know as much about how you feel as you think you do. And you could use some help just literally processing your feelings. Because if you can't articulate them, you can't process them because you don't understand what they are and you don't understand the subtle differences between them. Because you want to figure out a different way to handle something if you're anxious about it versus angry about it. Because those are two completely different things, right? Um, you know, and I, I think it's really important to, to get that level of understanding. And so that was why I stuck around, I think, ultimately, is because I realized that I have something to learn here. Now, going to see a therapist also stimulates sort of the intellectual side of my brain because it makes me a better business owner, a better father, because not only am I learning about myself and getting the help that I need to process my own feelings, but now I'm actually observing the way that she helps me. Yeah. You know, and I'm not trying to be an armchair therapist, but um, it does help me be there more effectively for the people that I love and care about, like my employees and my wife and my kids. Um, so I can actually have a better vocabulary to help other people, which is important to me. But I also am constantly getting help on myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's other stuff, too, that you learn. You get help in, in, in physical regard. So, like, a lot of the help that I've gotten has been um, in understanding what's going on up here, but also physiologically. You know, there's the parasympathetic nerves, nervous system, <laughs> which is really important. And um, there's things like, you know, I'm 37, so, you know, I've got to think about heart health. And um, and this is not clinical by any means, but um, I did just start taking some blood pressure medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm generally healthy. I work out five days a week and um, do a lot of cardio. But I needed to get on blood pressure medicine anyway. Well, let me tell you why I'm bringing this up while I'm talking about my therapist. You're not going to sell me some blood pressure medicine or, or plug some of your, you know, something you get a stimulant. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. My doctor prescribed it and it's been great. Um, so I was beginning to talk a lot with my therapist about sort of this, this tingling feeling that I have in my chest when I get anxious. Right, because I, I carry my anxiety uh, uh, physiologically a certain way in my chest, and it was kind of this always there feeling, like of dread, right? Like something was, I wasn't thinking about something, or I needed to be worried about something, right? Like, I, like when I was in high school, like, oh god, I got homework I got to do tomorrow, so I can't enjoy being at the ball game, right? And as a business owner, it's like, well, I mean, we got money in the bank right now, but what about in two months? You know, I'm worried about cash flow, you know. And so, like, I would get all this tingly, gross, icky feeling in my chest. And that's, you know, that's anxiety. And um, that's what we were talking about. And then I found out I've got high blood pressure, heart rate's really high, and I've been on some medicine to help. Well, oh, that tingling has gone down from always being a seven to, like, you know, a two now. So it turns out that. My brain was listening to my body. I had elevated heart rate and elevated blood pressure, and my brain was like listening to my body, 
telling me that, oh, shit, you need to be worried about something, brother. <laughs> right? Because, like, it's all connected. Yeah. And so now the the blood pressure medicine is, is reducing my blood pressure and my heart rate down to a normal level. And it's easier for my brain to be like, ah, we can kick it. You know, let's relax for a minute. And it's been really nice. It's kind of been an anxiety treatment. Mm-hmm. And it was because of something that was going on physiologically in my chest. You know, so it's all got to work together. And, you know, um, who knows? Maybe this saved me from a heart attack when I'm 45. Yeah. It's important to take care of yourself. You got to be there for your kids and you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Put on your own oxygen mask, so to speak. You know, like they say when right. you're on a plane. Yeah. Right. Um, one thing I wanted to, to ask you before we close, um, you mentioned earlier some piece of advice you got from a mentor or a friend or something. Um, could you maybe speak to mentors you've had along the way, pieces of advice? You know, typically I like to ask, you know, what one piece of advice would you give? But sometimes I think that's kind of a little short-sighted, but maybe some, some key principles or something that you've gotten from a mentor, if you've had a mentor um, hmm. that you've kind of, that kind of stuck with you that have rung true, you know, year after year. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've definitely got a business mentor, um, and uh, he's given me some really good nuggets over the years. Um, some of it, you know, you can apply in your personal life. Some of it is just business stuff, and some of it's just personal. You know, um, he's told me some things like, you know, sit up straight at the desk <laughs> like your mama taught you. <laughs> you know. For back health and neck health, yeah. you know? he's given me advice like that. He's told me that um, that running a business, you know, because I kind of had a chip on my shoulder for not having an MBA from a fancy university like he did. He said, "Nah, man, running a business is a lot more common sense than you would think." And he gave me that advice when I was struggling to have the confidence that I needed to have when it came time to make a decision. And making decisions in business, placing your bet, that's tough sometimes. It's really tough. And not having had the the, the master's in business, you know, administration um, made me feel like maybe I was not considering all the angles or was inadequate in some way. And, you know, he was just basically saying, think it through and make a decision. Don't be a chicken, you know. Mm-hmm. And just make a common sense decision. And and that was a good piece of advice. Um, you know, another piece of advice he gave me was, um, you know, <laughs> it was really good. He got it from his professor at Harvard Business School who said, uh, when you've got a chance to get money from somebody else, whether it's a bank or an investor or something like that, um, uh, get as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Right. To yeah. take it, you know. Um, and uh, I think that's a good piece of advice to, to you know, use judiciously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you when that advice applies to you, it's good advice. Um, but, you know, I, I think. As, as a father. The best advice I've ever gotten was. um was what people always say about doctors, really good doctors. And that is that like, 
you know, I, I've got to travel for work sometimes. So, you know, I'm not home. Or, you know, I get up in the mornings to go work out and take care of myself. But, um, and that means that sometimes I'm making a choice not to be there when the kids wake up. And sometimes when you are waiting in the waiting room for the doctor and it takes forever, you get frustrated. But then when the doctor's in the room, you're the only person in the world that matters, you know? And I think that comes down to, you know, uh, something that I, I got from my therapist, which is just about mindfulness and being present in the moment. And that's really uplifting because, um, and I'll share a link with you in a second, uh, because I think there's something transcendent about being able to pay attention to the way that the air feels and the sound of the wind blowing through the trees, you know, and, and just to pay attention to right now and who you're talking to and being there for them, but also for yourself all at the same time and just being in the moment. And as a dad, we get, you know, a limited number of those is, is that while the kids are little. And when the kids are older, you still get those moments. You still love them just as much, but they're not kids anymore, you know. And so um, on Monday, I took the day off from work because, you know, why not? I didn't have a ton to do. And um, I, uh, my wife and I, my wife had encouraged me to blow 800 bucks and buy a a water slide, an inflatable water slide. Uh, and this thing's massive. It is like, I wish I had something like this when I was a kid. So I took the the afternoon. Well, I spent the morning with her running around shopping and just being a husband. And then, uh, we got home and I put up this water slide and let the kids play on it all Monday night because our Monday afternoon and early evening, because it was a really nice warm day. One of the first ones this season. And, um, you know, I just sat there and had one beer, sat there with my wife, and we just kind of sat there and enjoyed the beautiful weather and watching the kids play on this new thing that they just loved. And, you know, I'll take that with me to my grave. Mm, yeah. Um, but I got a little video. Uh, I put it on Instagram, so I'll slack you the uh, or send you the um, the link for the show notes in case anybody wants to see my kids. Yeah, Go definitely. On. I'd love that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah. Well, thanks, JD. I appreciate you being on, man. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being so transparent and sharing some some real value, not just surface stuff. I appreciate that. Sure, man. Well, I'm happy to do it. I, uh, I've been listening to some of the other interviews you've done, and they're just fantastic. You can find out more about us and sign up to receive updates at twocentdad.com. If you liked what you heard or just want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at mike at twocentdad.com. Please leave a review on iTunes if you like the show. It helps us to get the word out to the most people possible. The show is made possible through the support of EC Group International, building software teams since 1999.